and welcome to the Sleep Mums A to Z's, a road trip through parenthood with stop-offs at Apocalypse, Klingon and Diastas Recti, which I always think sounds way more fun than it actually is. In this new series, we talk to experts and non-experts, parents and non-parents about the good, the bad and the crying face ugly of making it through the long nights with small people. I'm Kat Cuby, broadcaster, podcaster and easy greeter. Seriously, I cried at Stickman last night. And this is Sarah Carpenter, baby and child expert and sleep saviour. How's your cry face, Sarah? Seriously ugly and I cry <laughs> at everything. <laughs> Let's try and make you cry. No, that's... <laughs> I'm so mean. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> Opposite of crying, our letter this week is L for laughter or learner parent because we're joined by award-winning dad blogger, writer and comedian, Sam Avery. Hello. Hi there. It's lovely to have you with us. So tell us about the whole learner parent thing. Well, thanks for having me on, first of all. This is really, really good fun. Uh, now the kids are back in school to be able to talk to other adults who don't have the same last name as me, which is all I've <laughs> <laughs> for the last like god knows how long but yeah the, the learner parent stuff just sort of started when I, I i've done stand-up for 18 years now so i've been around the block a few times and when my kids were born in 2015 i just start, i've always written down any ideas that i've had that are vaguely amusing because as a comic you're always thinking well that could potentially become material at some point uh, a lot of it doesn't get used or it's not funny or you try it out and it doesn't quite work, but you're always writing down ideas in, like, in my phone and notes and stuff. And then as soon as my wife was pregnant, actually, I started to realise that every single day was bringing me all these like brand new wave of emotions and anxiety and fears and hurdles as well. And when the kids were born, I was like, this is just a minefield. There's so much for me to get wrong. And that's where a lot of comedy lives, in the gap between the reality and the perception and I think parenthood is possibly the most incredible gift in terms of that gulf in reality and perception. So there's so much comedy to be there's had. There's just so much material, yeah. <laughs> like on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> yeah. So I was in the hospital. One of our lads was a little bit poorly when he was first born, and he's absolutely fine now. He just had to have this operation. But obviously the first sort of eight to ten days, we were we were stuck in the hospital for a while in the NCU, and... Uh, I was just making all these notes and I didn't put anything online because, I, I, you know, this was just notes for me. But someone said when we got home, you thought about doing a blog. And I, the word blog always made me my skin crawl in the past because I it's thought it's got it was... a weird connotation. People don't like, you know, and yeah. it's funny because I've been in that space as well. And even I kind of cringe at it. But, you know, it's because there's a range of um decent <laughs> I guess yeah. whether it's good or not but that's true in everything you get really good plumbers and you get not so good plumbers it doesn't mean that being a plumber is a bad thing although writing a blog about being a plumber would be a bad thing yeah, maybe, yeah. That's, that's just my opinion <laughs> yeah which you bend is best yeah. <laughs> I um, think there probably are blogs about that so <laughs> <laughs> probably is but I mean I've totally changed now in terms of our our, our look at that I suppose I just I knew all these celebrity bloggers we were like talking. I just thought, I don't know, it seemed like a vacuous way to kind of spend your time. But then someone introduced me to the fact that there are people blog about everything, like you say, except perhaps plumbing. You Almost every subject, yeah. So I, I I thought, well, I can't get out at the moment because my kids are at home. I'm a new dad. I can't really try this stuff out in the clubs that I was playing at the time, which were very much like the weekend party, stag and hen clubs. I can't really talk about my emotions 
as my son smiled for the first time. They're not going to want to hear about that. They want to hear something a bit more, you know, near the knuckle. So I started putting all the notes that I, that I put into my phone onto blogs. And I was doing like two or three blogs every couple of days, really, because I had a lot of time all of a sudden. Instead of rushing around the country to get from me to B, I was at home. My kids were asleep on my lap because they were, you know, premature twins. So they were just lying there and they were just asleep a lot of the time and feed them and they go back to sleep. So my blog started just getting a bit of traction quite quickly within, within a few months, really, because I was really consistent. And I just thought... I tried to make it as funny as I could, even if I was trying to make a serious point, make it as funny and as memorable as I could and really spent a bit of time getting the the opening sentence right and the last sentence right just to hook people in. Um, And then it just sort of took off from there, really. And it was really, really exciting to suddenly have a bit of an audience reading the stuff that I was putting out there and and connecting. And um, I'd say the biggest thing for me, and maybe we'll get into this in a bit more detail later on, but I, I suppose... People said that the, the stuff I was writing really made them feel like they weren't alone, which was just so unexpected and powerful. But also it made me feel like I wasn't alone because I was mm-hmm. connecting with other people who were going through the similar thing. So that was a two-way street. It was really useful for me in that in that sense, as well as um, enjoyable for people to read. So that was that was really nice. Totally. I would completely agree with that. And and it feels nice then when you kind of get a bit further down the line as well and you're able to support those people too that you that you know you know how they feel because you've been in that position and you know that's what we get a lot of parents getting in touch with us and just saying you know you've saved me from the edge and you're like that is that is amazing to mm-hmm. have that kind of response but I also think for you particularly at the time you started to do it I think having a kind of dad blog was still like qu- quite novel I suppose and what's been so important about that change I think is really bringing dads into the conversation so much more it's kind of like you know women have kind of dominated that conversation for such a long time and you know that's why your voice is really important within that because you know it is a different experience yeah it is and and I was kind of aware of that at the beginning and I think perhaps I was I was having twins as well was another thing that kind of set that what I was doing apart as as I went on I tried not to dwell too much on the twin thing but that was probably from a marketing point of view if I want to be completely honest because I thought if you focus just on the twin experience solely on the twin experience you're excluding probably 90% of the <laughs> of the population so uh, you know Except there's way more twins born these days there's loads more isn't there yeah I think it's because a lot of women having kids later so I know there's some kind of scientific thing. Yeah. It, it releases all your eggs at once, like a Black Friday sale, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. You just kind of, they come out. But I mean, I, I, I suppose going back to the messages that I was getting, especially early on in the first sort of couple of years, it was very much um, people saying, thanks for being so honest, which I think mm-hmm. like quote unquote honesty, when you're blogging about parents, or there's probably something that everyone does now. But it was perhaps seen as a little bit of a renegade thing at that point, maybe. Yeah. I know the young mumsy yeah. mum obviously spearheading that whole thing and, and doing great stuff with that. Um, I, I think sometimes perhaps people are trying to be too honest now, maybe, or yeah. or, or saying horrible things just for the sake of it. And actually, mm-hmm. we all love our kids, don't we? So let's not forget that. And, you know, let's maybe focus totally. on the challenges. But, and like, I, I never slag me kids off in, in the stuff that I write. I, I 
if anything, I was the butt of the joke all the time because it was all about yeah. my hapless attempts to try and get to grips with this very natural situation that I was in of being a being a parent. Yeah, which is exactly, you know, in the title, learner parent, you're kind of, you're taking, you're the fall guy. And um, I think that also is what makes it appealing. <laughs> Not that you've been the fall guy, it just means that, you know, we can all relate to that. Yeah. I heard you're big in Glasgow. I live in Glasgow. So is that a wee bit like being big in Japan, just with more swearing? <laughs> it's, it's hard to understand what people are saying in Glasgow, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> no. Often like, swearing. Glasgow is and I'm not just saying this is honestly is like it feels like a second home to me because I used to go there so often before my kids were born for work to do jonglers which was this real rough and ready club um and I just I got to know loads of comics from Glasgow would all go out for drinks so when I was going up there it didn't feel like work it was felt like a little you know weekend away um and weirdly it was just one of those places when the blog sort of um started going out It, it was one of those places where it because we, you can see with social media where everyone, where everyone's from, and Glasgow for some reason was this like mega hotspot. So <laughs> when I did the shows on my first tour in Glasgow, I, I honestly I was waiting backstage at the stand, and I was doing two nights there, which I, I couldn't believe. I was so happy about, and then the lights went down for the start of the show, and everyone just started cheering like mad, and it was the only time in my life I felt like Elvis. Yeah, <laughs> Elvis of the something. That was it. It was amazing. Yeah, so I do love Glasgow. It is. It's a great city. And I think it's a funny city as well. Like in that kind of like raw way, that, like you're talking about that honesty, you know, people tell it like it is here, I think. Yeah, definitely. Just talking of swearing, though, we should maybe put a parental guidance warning at the top of this episode, because I know you're a bit of a sweary man and I have a feeling that you might bring it out in us. Yeah, but I'm good. At, I'm good to keep him, you know, keep him clean as well. I PG can, as well. Do that. Yeah. It's one of the things I quite like about podcasting, though, having kind of cut my teeth I guess in BBC and stuff like that that you know you can you have a bit more flexibility in 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 your language that's not to say that we are just like you know total potty mouse but sometimes a, a swear is necessary particularly when you're talking about parenthood yeah it's it's when it's needed it's really powerful isn't it you've pushed me to the point of swearing what me yeah oh. <laughs> 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 during the podcast yeah. not in general but during the podcast <laughs> didn't billy Connolly have a quote saying something like you know there's a million words to say something but i just happen to think the f word and he says the f word is 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 a better is a better word go for it drop an f-bomb do it <laughs> i don't want to butcher the quote because it's such an eloquent quote it's like there's a million words i could use but i just happen to think the fuck's the best one at this point <laughs> you know and it's like yeah. that's and it's you know, so true, true. Yeah, and if you and if it weren't for your wellies, where would you be as well? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, swearing is important as a parent, uh, but laughing, I think, is pretty important too. Because in general, you know, if you don't laugh as a parent, you're probably going to cry. Uh, so you you've spoken about being a comedian before becoming a dad, but um, and we've kind of touched on it. But what made you want to make? you know your comedy about fatherhood and how important is it do you think to laugh when you've got little kids or kids full stop yeah it's it's hugely important I'm a big advocate of of humor and the kind of health benefits I run a charity in Liverpool called the Comedy Trust and we do we've, we've been around for years now but we do a lot of uh workshops and sessions around 
creating happier, healthier people through humour. And and so we look at how people can use humour in the daily lives, how you can use it in professional lives, how you can implement it into situations where you're struggling and you're, you're meeting a challenge. So you can build your, you build your resilience with humour. You know, once you laugh at something, it kind of changes your viewpoint on that on that subject. It gives you a little bit of ownership over that subject, a little bit more power, and it enables you to kind of reframe the situation and, and address it differently. And that doesn't sound very fun, but it's very useful. It's very <laughs> useful. That's not the thought process as you're giggling about something. But we all do that probably unconsciously. So with the Comedy Trust, we look at how you can maybe do that a little bit more and implement that a bit more in your lives. But from from my personal experience... The um, mm. the use of humour is something that I've always utilised in a way as a coping mechanism, really, just as a way of kind of, you know, rolling with the punches. We can't affect what the world throws at, at us, but we can affect our response. And sometimes to break something down into a joke, people sometimes think that means you're not taking it seriously. But I, I often argue it's the opposite. It's because it's very serious. We need to use humour here. Um and I think f- from a personal point of view, the um, yeah. the way I used it was, uh, the, the, I suppose, the part of the blog that really kind of like was was the most popular part of it was the secret diary that I used to write on a Tuesday, yeah. which was basically uh, my week through the point of view of one of my kids. So every time, you know, that age between 18 months and about three and a half when it was really challenging and I'd go out with them and things would happen and you just have to deal with it and and there's a new phase starting every week. In the moment on my own, I was going through a real tough time in that moment. But once I started writing those diaries, I knew that the more challenging the moment, the more funny that diary would be. So then there's a click in your mind where you go, this is awful, but this is going to be great next week when I write this up. This is going to be so funny because this is horrendous. And I think that <laughs> that idea of communicating what you're going through is so important and I think that's what you know especially at the moment as we're all locked down the idea that people have got these these blogs these vlogs these YouTube channels podcasts like this where people can feel free to communicate how they're feeling communicate the challenges they're going through understand that other people are going through them as well and we can all just kind of maybe not have a belly laugh but we can all have a gentle giggle at the at the least about some of the problems that we're going through and it just it just builds up that resilience next time you're going through it. You're like, well, this this is like this is normal, isn't it? I think that's the problem that a lot of us worry that things aren't normal or no one else is going through it. But you know what? They are. Totally. We all are. Everyone's kind of had similar experiences. So mm-hmm. I think laughter is a great way of addressing that and connecting people and diffusing the moment as well and just making things less uh, less less tense. Mm-hmm. I think, and that that's actually quite an important part I think of parenting too like funnily enough literally like yesterday I was telling the kids off I can't remember they were squabbling over something and I was a bit cross with how they were speaking to each other and I kind of I told them off quite harshly I was a bit tired might have had a little bit of a a mother's day hangover (laughs) a mother (laughs) of hangovers and um yeah I was a wee bit cross and I was trying to I'm not very good at doing a cross face I'm I'm generally not that confrontational a person but I was trying to do my kind of stern I know this is a podcast but I was kind of doing a a stern face (laughs) and both of them kind of were trying to look serious and we all kind of held it for I don't know 10 seconds and then we just started laughing it was like (laughs) and it was like that moment in a library where you know you're not meant to laugh but you just do and we were just rolling around on the floor and it had broken the moment 
And actually, I was then able to have a kind of a conversation, you know, about how they were squabbling. But it was in such a different space than it had felt right at the second where I'd felt really pissed off. And like, I know it's maybe not, it's not maybe the ideal uh, parenting discipline thing to do to start cracking up. But, you know, I, I guess that's why I love the learner thing, because, you know, even the experts amongst us, we're, we are just learning this gig. And it's totally what we want to do in terms of the sleep mums. Everyone's winging it. And and you're talk, talking about that realness and, and honesty is so important, I think. Yeah, well, I think life can be quite tense, can't it? Life without laughter can be like a balloon that you're blowing up. And, and yeah. laughter is the pin yeah. that bursts it and adjusts everything's all right again. And the moment you're laughing with someone, you're totally connected with that person. And that's why laughter is so beautiful when you get a group of people together. That's why I love doing stand-up comedy because you get a room full of people. We're all on the same page in that moment. And even if you disagree, maybe politically with what's just being said, if your gut finds it funny, for that moment, it doesn't matter because you're all on the same page and you're laughing. And I remember one of of the most amazing moments of my life was the first time that me and my boys all laughed together at the same thing. We were laughing at the same thing and they were about seven months old and they'd just started weaning. So, you know, remember the yeah. weaning nappies? Oh, man. So they were just, it was like every 20 minutes, one of them would just do this horrendous scorcher. <laughs> That's I, the apocalypse. I was doing the night. <laughs> yeah, it's the name of my TED talk, horrendous scorcher. And I was I was doing the night feeds. Um, I've got twins, so it was like every five minutes one of them would do it and, and I change them, and I get the bottles back, and then the other one would do it, and then I started going, "If you done a poo again," and then I change the other one, and then they started doing it, and and over the course of about half an hour, I think it was about seven nappies that I, I changed in half an hour. Like, I'm not skills. exaggerating, and and then they were doing squelches, but then they were going hehe <laughs> and like smiling and laughing at me. And in the end, both of them had the nappies off. There was like used nappies all over the floor. I was in the middle of them. They were both laughing at each other. And then I was laughing, and it was just this. We're all, this has been a, a horrible forty-five minutes, but we're now all laughing at this situation, and we were all laughing at the same thing. I don't think they quite got it on the same level as me, <laughs> but the actual thing that was making us laugh was them constantly filling yeah. the nappies, and it was, it was honestly, I was nearly tears in my eyes. It was just, it was a beautiful moment, I and mean, you wouldn't expect that in the in the situation that it was, but. It's wonderful when you can do that with people. And, and your kids, because it's like you're passing on your sense of humour too, which is a kind of a really beautiful thing, I think, as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talking about being a learner parent, what is the best thing that you have learned as a parent, do you think? Um, I think from my own experience, it's been to uh, not be too hard on yourself, which, you know, that's that's easy to say. It's really difficult to do. Every time I've told them off, especially if I, you know, on reflection they go, Dad, he probably didn't deserve me to raise my voice like that. I'm then really hard on myself. And, of course, my kids are five, so they they don't hold grudges. Within three minutes, they're, they've forgotten it. They're back to, you know, loving me and bit we're all friends. But I feel, I can feel quite, you know, bad, which I think we all yeah. do. But I suppose recognizing that and going, I'm being quite hard on myself here. Let's let's be nice to myself. Um, understanding that other people have gone through similar challenges, um, and I think perhaps the biggest uh, learning point was actually given to me by someone else before my kids were born, and he said this thing to me, and I've always 
remembered it. I put it in my book. I've told other people because I just thought it was so key. And it was that whenever you're super, super tired, remember that your partner will be equally or perhaps more tired than you. Just remember that, that's all. I was like, oh, I, I kind of understood what he meant. But then the kids were born and then I really understood what he meant because you can in those early years of sleep deprivation, it just turns you into an unreasonable unreasonable monster. And I think I found myself a couple of times, as I'm sure we all have, you look at your partner, you go, they, they got more sleep than me. In fact, we used to do this thing, like how many times did you get up with them last night? And and she'd say, no, you go first. And I'd say, why? She'd say, well, because I want to add one. At least she's recognizing it. It's like the total, it is competitive tiredness. It's such a bizarre Mm. thing. And, you know, like I used to get really pissed off. Like my husband was doing a lot of, like, was working really hard in a project and was actually sleeping downstairs when we had our second. Um, And, you know, we were up a lot and he would be like, moaning about the fact that he'd had a really bad night's sleep I was like you're on an entirely different floor and then like I don't know however long how many weeks into it and he was like do you know what? I wore earplugs last night and it made all the difference <laughs> um, and he was like I've been sleeping so badly for weeks and honestly I hated him so much at that moment that it was like <laughs> but yeah you can get through that I think I was actually I think I was actually with you guys the night that you confessed <laughs> to wearing the earplugs. And I remember being very quickly like, right, okay, Kat, it's time for you to bed now. <laughs> so this is not going to go well. Yeah, I had to work away once and uh, my wife, had, the, both twins were poorly, so they were both in with her and she just had this horrendous night's sleep. And I'd used too many pillows in this hotel and I foolishly chose to share that with her. Oh, my neck's a bit sore because I used two pillows, didn't use one. <laughs> That's so good. I think is what you're saying about the guilt or the guilt is really, really true. We did an episode on parent guilt and we've had so much response from it. Mm. And it, and it is really, it's a really hard loop to get yourself out of because as we, you know, as you know, you've got so many decisions to make for your child, with your child every single day. There is no chance that you're not going to fuck up one of those. <laughs> and so, you know, on the daily, you are basically feeling bad about something that you have you've done or may have done and you kind of get in that loop as well I think or I have that you feel like this is somehow going to have some massive long-term effect that I don't know the 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 fact that you've like Mm -hmm. you know told them off about something is going to give them issues in in senior school or I don't know I'm kind of I realize I'm waffling but you kind of there's all that pressure I suppose that you're you're forming this person and it's your responsibility yeah we were actually having this discussion with my mum so I'm like the middle one of three and my younger sister is mid-30s and a couple of weeks ago we had this discussion with mum about pairing guilt and she was like guys like I still have it you know I've made a decision recently that I feel super guilty about in hindsight relating to you three we were just like oh my god like we thought that we'd grow out of it and we're not going to no no, it's there forever. It's just hanging over you like yeah. a bad smell, isn't it? It's just, I mean, the flip side to that is to try and give yourself a pat on the back when you can, because that, that really helps. And I, Definitely. I've got better at that. I've got better at kind of reflecting on what I've done over the day and, and think, oh, well, actually, that was really good. And it, it could be something simple. You don't have to like turn the house into a fairground or something, but something <laughs> like, you know, oh, I sat down and I really listened to my son as he talked through something mm-hmm. that I had no interest in. You know, my kids are just obsessed with, super mario at the moment and 
to the point oh. where they could probably go on Mastermind and, and, and win because they're, they're so knowledgeable. And, you know, I That's took an interest. Cool, like, I don't know, it's a bit of a kind of 90s, like, yeah. throwback. <laughs> it's, it's weird. You'll it's, get sick of it, Kat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, but I have to, you know, if I can sit there and, and look at them and ask relevant questions and show interest, I think mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's I've done a good job there, you know. Yeah. People might be listening thinking, well, you should be interested, but honestly, I'm not interested. <laughs> so no, for me it's... to pretend, I'm, I'm interested in what my kids are interested in. I'm not interested in this yeah. particular subject matter. So to sit down and engage with them and make them feel like, you know, the part of the conversation. I think I think mm-hmm. that's something something really small that we can do. And when you're tired and you're busy and you've got to work and there's homeschool and, and all that stuff, it's difficult to find that space to do that. But just mm-hmm. for five minutes can can really make you feel better. I was suggesting yeah. to Sarah that we should have parent star charts in the same way. And then we get <laughs> like a reward at the end of the week. I mean yeah. it's likely to be alcoholic, but you know that and I think it is really important, you know, you're you're rewarding your kids for for good behavior and you should totally do the same for yourself yeah. oh yeah and children actually respond to that as well you know there have been times when you, I do a lot of work with um, families overeating as well and I will actually have to say to the parents you know you have to sit down and you have to eat what they are eating and then you can all celebrate the fact that you've eaten the same thing and they're kind of like <laughs> oh my god like you're, you're basically telling us what to eat too I'm like yep but it's gonna work so just do it making children and adults eat their veggies the world over <laughs> So that's the best thing. What about the worst? I suppose the worst thing would be to uh, ever compare yourself with others, um, which might sound obvious, but I think you've got to make sure that you don't go down that road because it's really difficult. Again, in the age of social media, people tend to only post their, uh, the, the good side of their lives. You know, and now and again, people say, oh, I'll post you know, a bad thing. Well, you sort of have two sides, as you say. You kind of have the only the good stuff or the kind of, not quite only the bad stuff, but the kind of grittier. And I think that when you're in a fragile state of mind, you you zone in, you know, if you're scrolling, you, you, you pick up on, on the good, the comparison of the, the people who seem to have immaculate homes and, you know, do crafts and bake banana bread or whatever it is. And that's kind of because they feel it feels like um you know a competition in that extent and that is that's what then pits parents against each other I think in terms of like how you're parenting and it's totally what what Sarah and I wanted to do in terms of the sleep mums is make it really non-judgmental because you know I I think we shouldn't be fighting each other in all this we're all just trying to do our best yeah and I think a, a bigger one of the big challenges is just the monotony of of some of the days that you go through Especially when your kids yeah. are young, it's quite can be quite boring and repetitive, and people don't tend to post about that because there's nothing to say. It's just no. it's not it's not a funny incident that was horrible at the time, but is now comedy, or it's not something amazing you've done. It's just the reality of the daily grind, which can just kind of get boring. And also, if I if, if something really bad happens to me and it's funny, I'll I'll post about it. But equally, if I do something super amazing, like we we the kids have got into the crystal maze. Remember the old show. God, your your kids are amazing retro Honestly, kids. Super Mario and Crystal. I know, Crystal I know, I know, yeah. They'll be getting into like Pearl Jam and Nirvana yeah, exactly. next <laughs> um, So we decided in the middle of lockdown, the, the, the last lockdown, 
which has been my least favourite lockdown. I can't believe I'm nostalgic about yeah, lockdown. Totally. That's my yeah. least favourite. From a trilogy, the third one is always the worst, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The franchise killer, isn't it? But uh, so we turned the house into a crystal maze. Well, my wife did it all, really. But obviously we were posting that all over social media because we we built oh an God, actual crystal amazing. dome with a hairdryer and loads of bits of paper in the porch. I mean, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was rubbish, but it was brilliant, you know. So we were like... I mean, obviously, and people are going to post stuff like that on social media. So then if you're just having one of those monotonous days, you're scrolling through and you go, yeah, I should be doing totally. that. I should be building TV studios <laughs> in the house. Like, I can't do that. But that's, you know, once in a blue moon, isn't it, really? So. But I think that's the thing because there is, there is always someone doing that kind of thing. And that's what's weird about social media is that if you are in that kind of mental headspace you can always go on and find someone who you think of course it's true in in life as well but you're kind of bombarded by it on social media and we seek it out it's almost like we we try and make ourselves feel bad about stuff so you might scroll past you know all the people being honest and saying that they've shouted at their kids and what you know their their house is a riot or whatever but you don't look at that because you're like well that yeah that's my life too and then but you find the one that you're like <laughs> oh, I'm not doing that. That's maybe building a crystal maze or something. And it is yeah. it, that that whole thing about you know comparison as the thief of joy is very true. But we seek it out as well when you're in that headspace. Yeah, and I think trying to be mindful of that—that's something I've kind of got into over from the start of the first lockdown. So I suppose a year ago now, it's it's uh, trying to be mindful, and I'm not someone who's hugely kind of knowledgeable about mindfulness but I've been doing like meditation uh 10 minutes every day on this app on my phone yeah and doing exercise and if I do that and I am strict with that I am totally living in the moment when I'm with my kids and then life takes on a completely different meaning and everything is so much better and little moments you don't miss because you're not looking at your phone you're yeah. not thinking about what you haven't done or what you need to do. You're just existing in the present, and it's so powerful. And it's it should be easier to do, but I think the world, the way the world has developed and technology has become part of our lives, everything is designed to take us out of the moments and make yeah. us latch onto something else. So what it it requires a little bit more discipline for for people in 2021, I think, to to be able to remove themselves and put themselves back into the moments and like. I don't. I don't want to get too evangelical about this, but if anyone is listening and doesn't know what I'm talking about, just dip your toe in the water, try it. Because it's if you can get to that point, I get this weird fuzzy feeling in my chest, and I don't want to get too odd on you all of a sudden. But you know, when you're thinking, what's the meaning of life? Like none of us know what the meaning of life is. When I get that fuzzy feeling in my chest, and I'm talking to my kids, and I'm playing with my kids, yeah. I just feel like that is it. I've got it. There's the meaning of life. It's it's this moment, whatever this moment is. And it's uh, it's super powerful. And of course, then your phone beeps. You look at your phone. You make a coffee. You're on your ninth coffee. You then you're on Twitter and you're reading <laughs> hashtags about something horrible. And then it, it all gets ruined. Totally. So you've got to then try and get back to it. So it, it it doesn't come easy. But when if you can get it, I think that's really really powerful. I think that um you know we've all gone a bit hippy mm-hmm. in in the, the lockdowns because we've had to kind of center ourselves a wee bit. But I think it is so important. And you're right. We're not going to get rid of these like you know things these phones that are connectivity and there are, as you've experienced and we've experienced there are loads of amazing things about the internet and that world that we live in but there are also lots of 
rubbish things and we just need to be a bit more proactive about it it's not going to go away you you know and it's not really a solution in exactly the same way as parenting of just taking it away you know you're you're that that whole go and play in your room or go and sit in your room when they're in trouble is less likely to work than actually dealing with the problem and we have to deal with the problem in ourselves as you say and that's about finding tools that work for you whether it's mindfulness or you know yeah, probably not gin, but you know, <laughs> any of the, the things that, that that you need. Um, and I think one of the reasons we've all gone a bit hippie is that connecting with nature thing is a really important part of it as well, being outdoors and, um, and yeah, ideally not taking your phone. I feel, yeah, this has gone down a completely different route. <laughs> Where's all the swearing gone? <laughs> but it all feeds into that, like, feeling like you're doing a better job as a parent mm-hmm. connecting with your yeah. kids and, and being able to think clearly as well which is a challenge isn't it talking about a lot of the experiences that you've kind of had uh, you you have a massive following on Facebook that's kind of your jam really particularly in Glasgow <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. and I'm guessing that's been important over the last year but uh, as we've really talked about, I think it's massively because you're so honest and entertaining about your experiences as a dad, which are really all of our experiences as parents. So we thought it'd be fun to share some of your stories. Uh, I, I want to hear about the one about the poo and the duvet, or maybe I should say the situation. That sounded very <laughs> strong. <laughs> <laughs> we have a situation, Miss Money <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I suppose so many of the stories were about poo. I mean, I told the story about poo early, didn't I? And I've, I suppose I've moved away from that now because my kids are a bit older and the, the poo stories are, are less frequent, thankfully. But when, when the kids, it's, it's really, really, it's part, It's a big part of your life, isn't it? Huge. There's poo everywhere. And uh, we, we, like, we came up with some rules. So the kids were six months old and we had, we had these, like, little rules. But the thing about any kind of rule is that you, you really need to use a bit of common sense as well. So one of our rules was... If the babies were unsettled after 5 a.m., we just we wouldn't try and get them back to sleep. We'd just bring them into our bed. So I heard a little bit of noise one night, and I jumped up, and I, I, I was having – my sleep had gone really bad since the kids were born because I just I couldn't get into a nice deep sleep. But yeah. um, they one of them woke me up, so I just jumped up, could hear him crying, picked him up, brought him back into the bed, and he was just uh, wriggling about. And I – I was trying to settle him in the bed next to us, and then I noticed a little bit of dampness. I was like, oh, he must have done a wee. And I felt his nappy. I was like, oh, he's definitely damp, but it's greasy as well, like a, <laughs> like a, bag, of, like a bag of chips. It was horrible. And I was like, oh, no. So I kind of picked him back up, and I thought, I'll take him back into the cot, and I'll sort him out. Uh, but there was just this horrendous smell. Like, the smell was just so bad. But the thing about smells... When, when the kids are so young, you don't notice the smells anymore as much because you're so used to them. Like a bad smell. It's almost like that that knobhead friend from school. If you've known him long enough, you don't realise he's a knobhead. You know what I mean? You just kind of... Well, he's always been like that, hasn't he? So you don't realise your house stinks until totally. a guest comes around and they step over the doorstep. And if they step over the doorstep and their face goes, then your house stinks. Like it's Because you've also got like <laughs> bins of nappies or poo, or, you know, like hanging around your house. So like... Yeah. Nappy bins as well. We had yeah. nappy bins, you know, the ones with the big uh-huh. long bags. Yeah, yeah. They make like nappy sausages. Yeah, yeah. It's horrible. Totally. I, 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 one of them burst on, at the top of the stairs once. So like oh, the, no. the, I hadn't had the knock properly. So it was like, 
Indiana Jones, all these like <laughs> napping falling down the stairs. Oh God. Get your horrible. <laughs> horrible. So anyway, uh, I took him back to to his cot, got back into my bed. I realized there was just poo everywhere. It was just poo absolutely everywhere. Um and, and then I noticed a little bit on the pillow. I was like, oh my God. And and as I looked out the door, there was like there was a big trail from where my our bed was back to their cot, like Hansel and Gretel, the, you know, Nutella. And uh, on, on our pillow, there was this little bit of poo, it looked like the Nike swoosh, this little, like, horrible little sound. And uh, my wife woke up and just started screaming, shouting, and was like, what's going on? Party protest. Oh. And I was like, I, I think she said, fucking hell, is that shit? And I was like, don't swear the kids are here. Brilliant. <laughs> like still trying to protect them. But it's it was just, I think it's difficult to have rules, isn't it? But some rules you think, well, that should be a guideline, not a rule, yeah. because clearly I followed the rules and that was the bad choice. Yeah. But even like I talked I talked before about the, the difference between perception and reality. I think that's where a lot of people can can be too hard on themselves. But it's so different in certain areas. So if you would have said to me before my kids were born, like on occasion, Sam, you will find it absolutely hilarious when your child injures themselves. I would have said, there's no chance because I am not a monster. And it turns out I'm a little bit of a monster because some of that stuff is the funniest things I've ever seen. There's nothing funnier than a three-year-old standing up who's forgotten he's under a table. Is there? That's like the funniest thing. Like, I'm shouting, my wife, he's going to do he's doing it again, hurry up, you're going to miss it. I was like, oh, you missed it, that was the best one. Well, good job I filmed it. I'll put that on YouTube. We we were in the car yesterday and we, I gave them a picnic in the car as a, as a, as a meal, obviously. Um, and I pulled out what I thought was like one of those sweet red peppers, like they had crudités, <laughs> sounding very like. Um, anyway, I gave it to them, thought it was a pepper. They had some cucumber and whatever in, in their sandwich boxes. It was a chili. <laughs> it was so funny. They were my my son. He's only three. Was hysterical because I think his mouth was on fire because they'd bas- he'd basically taken this massive bite out of this chili, and I could not stop laughing because you know you know they're gonna be okay. It's just a chili, like well, I mean I say that, but <laughs> total. <laughs> There's a YouTube video of a two-year-old eating a lemon who thinks it's an apple. And two-year-olds, it just shows how stubborn they are because they take one bite. A little girl, I think, takes a bite of this, what he thinks an apple. It's clearly a lemon. They go, and they kind of go, oh. And then the, the person who's, who's with them says, oh, I'll take that. And they go, no. Mine. 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 I mean, I'm eating this. I don't care if it causes me long-term damage. I'm eating this whole lemon. So, I, I mean, one of the funniest things that ever happened to me was when um, – I think me lads were about 18 months old and uh, one of them needed his nappy changing in uh, John Lewis. So I took him into the, the change room and there's like a big, it's like a big circle. There's like um, sink, 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 mirrors and then loads of taps and the taps have got like sensors mm-hmm. on. Uh, there's changing mats in between each sink. So he's on the changing mat, but he's squi- squiggling about. And I'm thinking like, how much force can you legally use on an 18 month old? And I didn't know, so I had him in a chokehold. <laughs> no, I didn't. And uh, I just, I was, I was gently holding his legs, but he was so determined. He kept moving down the changing mat, and he got so far down the changing mat, his head went under the sensor, and the tap just went on his face. 
And I laughed my balls off because he deserved that. That was all his fault. <laughs> and also, it, it was cold water, so, you know, there was no long-term damage. But he, he was not happy at all. I was like, well, you shouldn't have, shouldn't have, you know, shouldn't have wriggled then, should you? Just let Daddy do what he needed to do. I love how all the stories are basically about poo. I think, actually, me, I'm, I'm just thinking this could be a whole separate podcast, Poo Stories. <laughs> yeah, Poo Stories, yeah. Like, like a ghost story thing where you're all sitting around the campfire. Yeah, you get ghost poos as well. You're like, I am sure they've done a poo and you're checking their nappy and it's not there and you're like, has it disappeared somewhere? Or the ones where you where you don't think there's a poo and you sort of you stick your your finger in the top to kind of to check and then you bring your finger out and you're like, Oh really regret doing that. <laughs> yeah. Me and my wife used to say this thing when they were little, we used to say if it if it looks like poo and smells like poo, it's poo. If it looks yeah. like Nutella and smells like Nutella, it's poo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> we love a portmanteau and some parenting slang here on The Sleep Mums. So uh, I love the name of your upcoming tour and I'm guessing there might be a book to follow. So tell us, what exactly is Toddler Geddon? So Toddler Geddon is, I suppose I came up with the name Toddler Geddon. I, and and it was a moment, and it was when your it was the moment when you hear the door open when your partner's been at work and you've been at home with a couple of toddlers all day, and and you're experiencing. And the only word I could think of was toddler getting. So like literally, the coffee's run out. You've got no games left to play. They're not interested in the telly anymore, and they're just screaming. And I've never that. I felt like a dog at times. If my wife were coming in from work, I was like, oh, she's home. I was like jumping up and down behind the front door. So that, that for me was Toddlergeddon. Now, I started the Toddlergeddon tour in January 2020, and then the pandemic happened. So it got moved back. I'm now going to complete. I've got about six dates left. I'm going to finish at the end of 2021 or the second half of 2021. My kids are going to be six by then, nowhere near toddlers. So it's all becoming a little bit irrelevant. But I'll be doing another tour next year. Um, that'll get announced later in the year, so I can't I can't say uh, much more about that at the moment. But that'll that'll happen. So still got to come to Glasgow on Toddlergeddon. I'll be in Glasgow. I, I can't remember the dates now because they keep getting moved that much. But yeah, um, looking forward to that. Um, and then yeah, I'll be there. It's just it's just there. Yeah. Uh, I think the toddler phase has, has given me some of the finest, uh, most. Tr- challenging moments for comedy because the toddlers are just a completely different beast babies are one thing toddlers are something else yeah they are beautiful and frustrating because you know they they can be so loving and so sweet and you usually do get that those moments you know when they're starting to tell you nice things like they love you or but you are also getting the I hate you as well I guess that's the start of both of those things yeah and every phase they go through as a toddler you think this is it this is who they're going to be forever now this is my kid yes (laughs) and like an hour later it's a different phase like oh no this is worse and then you get a nice phase and you go this won't last Thank you so much to Sam Avery, comedian, author and learner parent, uh, the guy who is basically Elvis at the soft play. I feel like I've learned a lot, although some of it is perhaps a wee bit unbroadcastable. We are all learning this gig and it is sometimes a comedy shit show, but honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. Sam's tour, Toddler Geddon, continues this autumn with more dates to come at the end of the year. Plus his new book, The Secret Diary of a Toddler, is going to be released later this year. You can probably tell from this new series that Sarah and I 
love a blether so do come and find us on social media we are at the sleep mums on facebook and instagram and we also have a lovely website sleepmums.co.uk as ever it would mean the world to us if you subscribe to the podcast it basically makes you like family wrote us a review or bigged us up to your pals it all helps thank you so much sam thank you thanks for having me on and i'll speak to you soon and thanks to you guys for listening and sleep soon sam has left the building (laughs) good night